Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 79. Get your stupid face out of here. This week, we're discussing season 4, episode 11 of Buffy, Doomed, and series 6, episode 2 of Doctor Who, Day of the Moon. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, so on Buffy this week, Doomed. Um, yeah. Not, you know, the most memorable episode necessarily. I remember you said last time you couldn't necessarily remember what happened in this episode. Yeah. Like... But, and I, and I hate to just call it, I don't want to just call it filler because actually I think what happens in it is important. But I think it doesn't have, clearly coming off of like Hush, yeah. it doesn't have the strong, memorable, like gimmick or punch that like the great episodes have. Yeah. But I still think it's more than just, it's not the, it's not filler in the sense that it's like spinning its wheels. It like, it, it's one of these like necessary evils of the, episode where we maneuver the characters to where we need them to be for the future sure like it's like it's about you know it's the it's the episode that has to happen between you know buffy and riley finding out you know the truth about each other and then it's the episode which sets up everything which is going to come later which is that they're gonna you know continue to you know be together and work together, presumably, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, you need an episode where they, like, work that out. Yeah. Um, no, I... So, still some, like, I think, necessary character development. Yeah. Um, but, but in a more, like, it's doing a job. It's not necessarily the, the funnest or the most memorable episode. And, and it didn't really occur to me, but until just now as you were talking, but the... Like we can talk about it maybe a little bit more in in when we're talking about the plot a bit, but like the demons and the plot seem very much sort of like the idea, you know, like the, there's a theme here running through the episode of you know facing your high school yeah. fears and roles and return, you know, and they even go back and look at yeah and the demons seem like season one or two or early season three demons. So, you know, like they're, they're, they're not, we've kind of come kind of come to expect a little bit more adult types of things. And these are just, Oh, it's a group of demons trying to open the hell mouth, you know, and you get the funny again, like, you know, like, you know, we all say it together. So like, (laughs) like it is a little cheesy and a little bit throwback and a little bit, unmemorable in those ways but also that kind of fits with the theme of the episode yeah definitely so um anyway i maybe there's not more to say about that i just said we could talk about that more but i don't know that there is more to say about the demons than that that they do feel high schooly and yeah and like a throwback to earlier episodes and that's kind of appropriate in a way i think so especially i think when you realize that they do pair it with the Hellmouth and going back to the high school. Yeah. Clearly, we're supposed to be in a season one frame of mind in terms of, I think, the point being not so much that this episode is just like a rehash of season one, but kind of showing, contrary to Buffy's kind of 
doom and gloom mortality, you know, mentality mm -hmm. that how much has changed since then, you know, like we do have a, a more, a wider concept of, um, you know, of the world and of evil and of the demons than we did when it started. Mm -hmm. Um, and things are more complex and, you know, bigger and more adult and the characters have changed, Yeah, you know, even yep. though they feel like, and we'll talk about this specifically for each of them, you know, even though Buffy feels like nothing can ever change for her. And even though Spike is telling Willow and Xander, you know, you're, you're the same 10th yeah. grade losers you ever were. Yeah. I think the point of going back to that is to see how that's not true anymore necessarily that like they really have, um, you know, are growing into adults and are becoming more capable and aren't the same people that they were when we met them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's nice to kind of give them some token season one villains and put them back in the token season one setting to see that. That's kind of a right. cool way of doing it. Right. Um, um, but I, I totally agree with you that this is, like, there's some important character stuff that happens. And there's also, I mean, you know, little things that are some of my favorite moments in the series, too. That line when Riley thinks he might recognize Spike and Spike goes, That's great. No, no, I'm, I'm a friend of Xander's here. Yeah, <laughs> like, Xander's here. Like, yeah. the, that line will, from time to time, just randomly pop in my head. And most of the time, I couldn't even tell you what episode it's from or what right, the situation right. is. I just remember that line and the way that James Marsters delivers it. And it's yeah. hilarious. Like, that's hands down yeah. one of the funniest lines, I think, in the entire series. Yeah, um, there's nothing more fun than bad accents. Bad, you know? Well, and it's funny Especially because Especially an American doing a bad American accent. Yeah, it, yeah, he's an American playing an English guy doing a bad American accent. So it's like you get these yeah. layers of badness yeah. to it, and it's yeah. it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. And yeah, also, no. and actually a lot and of them And he, he in general, is pretty great throughout the whole episode. Well, and he's another big one, which, again, yeah. I don't want to skip to him just yet, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maneuvering him to where he needs to be. Yeah. Like, you know... Nothing that big happens, but he has an epiphany, which mm -hmm. seems to me to be pivotal. Yeah. Like, this is going to affect the way he behaves from yeah. now on, what yeah. he learns in this episode. No, you're right. It's all little things that sort of build up to that to that moment. Um, and he's there sort of by accident. You know, not total accident, because it's like his depression and attempts, you know, like his <laughs> whole like attempt to fall on a stake is just yeah. hilarious. And it's... yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. That no, he's stuff, so. he's pretty much great all the way through this episode. Um, I think. So it's um, his whole like little his crisis of identity and you know that kind of stuff is fun. But um, yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot of like just those sort of little moments. Another one, not dealing with Spike, but like with Riley is um, I actually just mentioned to you right before his line where he says to Buffy, you know, I'm looking pretty hard. Like you, you get the sense that he's he actually does get a lot more than Buffy's kind of giving him credit for and not, yeah. not to get, you know, too far into the character stuff until later. But, um, you know, I do, I do like that line because like, I think it's easy and there are, I think we've seen Riley enough now that I can say this, but there are quite a lot of people who don't like Riley like at all. Mm. And they think he's too wooden and too dispassionate. And I, I would even point to this episode 
as an example, even though the episode itself overall isn't memorable, but I would point to yeah. this episode as one that where he does show, yeah. you know, that passion that maybe, he, you know, he or the character who plays him, you know, might get sort of lambasted for by some of the yeah. fans who dislike him. So yeah. um, I think I think it actually comes through pretty well here. So I think there's there's some good good stuff uh, yeah. with him as well. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th I think he is, uh, it would be hard to beat the Buffy Angel romance in terms of passion, <laughs> right? Like sure. they have an episode named after it. Like that's sort of their, <laughs> right. their thing, you know? Um, so I think, I think Riley's not without passion and he certainly comes across to me as sincere in this episode and that seems to be the main thing is like yeah. you know he's he's normal compared to, even though he does crazy commando stuff he's still like and here's getting into the character stuff like buffy immediately like questions everything about him mm -hmm. like his name and whether he's even really from iowa like is he is this whole like boy next door thing yeah. an act and we find out it's not, you know, at least as far as we know, if he's telling the truth, yes, he's done this, you know, he's working with this initiative, but that doesn't seem to be who he is in the same level that Buffy's the Slayer necessarily. Like for him, it is more of a role and a job and it, it doesn't necessarily stretch back to his earliest, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I think, so I think part of the point of him I wouldn't go so far as to call him like wooden necessarily, but I think his like normalness is part of the point. And yeah. I can understand how people who want the central couple to be like super passionate and angsty and tortured find that less than satisfying. But I do think that's like kind of the reason he's there. Like right. this is, this is the normal relationship that, you know, again, unless the initiative gets in the way, Potentially with Riley, this is a more stable, you know, relationship than she could have with Angel. Sure. Um, and and I think, you know, the other thing, too, is that he is military. So it's, you know, yeah. you are going to sort of just by virtue of that fact have and, and he's not, you know, we're not talking like Rambo, you know, uh, right. loose cannon sort of military. We're talking right. about a guy who actually believes in sort of the things that he does. Right. And. And so, you know, he follows orders and he gives orders and he expects yeah. a chain of command. And yep. like, there's a certain amount of that too. So like to sort of criticize him for being, there are people who criticize him for being not emotional enough and that kind of thing. But I think you're yeah. right. Like that's not, there's, there's also in a more adult feel to that yeah. too, because that's, yeah. you know, not everything can be the teenage angst all the time. Like you said, right. like it, you know, it is there it is a more grown up sort of thing. So I, I didn't mean to get that far into sort of Riley <laughs> discussion there. Um, but I just, I did want to point out, like, I think that this is actually maybe, <laughs> maybe this goes against my argument. I just made that one of the more bland episodes is the episode <laughs> where Riley shines. But, but I do right. think that there are some moments here where Riley does get some really yeah. good stuff. Um, so, anyway. No, I mean, he seems, 
again, I come back to the word sincere. He seems to really be believing what he's saying and to be fighting for the relationship and, you know, to not be uh, willing to, like, cut and run. He doesn't seem to be leading her on, right. you know. Um, and that, in terms of if I'm judging the character, like, morally, you know, that's more important, I guess, you know, than, mm. like... I suppose, you know, whether you like him better or Angel is more a, a, a question of taste. But um, I think we're meant to see him as a good option for Buffy. You know, yeah. that this is a good relationship for her to be yeah. in. Right. And that's, like, it's one thing to say, well, I just like Angel better. And that's fine. Okay, whatever. People have different tastes. That's right. perfectly fine. Right. But, it, yeah, it's another thing to say, like, well, he's... Right, to criticize Riley for not being Angel, which is kind of, yeah. I think, what a lot of people... When it starts right. to get more, like, unreasonable. Right. Um, but, uh, no, but I like, th and I like that kind of uh, confrontation that they have, both of her kind of um, questioning everything about him, you know, and him having to say, no, you know, I, this really is yeah. my name. I'm really the person I said I was. Um, and her kind of reluctance both of them being um trying to be understanding but but also kind of not trusting each other right away after that um because you know they also are both lying at the same time so there are elements yeah. of they they know there's an element of like they they know the other could really be lying because they're lying so that's kind of something smart about that but then there's also something kind of hypocritical about it mm. you know each of them wants the truth from the other but they don't want to give it for themselves but they don't really trust what the other one's saying anyway you know it's this kind of complicated like nobody's really you know right kind of situation yeah um and i thought it was an interesting little distinction that um riley immediately says to her what are you and you know then she makes a joke, and then she answer, asks back, who are you? And that's an interesting kind of pronoun shift. I don't need, you know, I'm sure that's deliberate with the writers. How much that's deliberate for Riley, I don't know. Um, but Riley yeah. seems to have an intuition that there's more to Buffy than just, you know, she's not necessarily just like him, like a secret double agent military like what are you suggests like even though he says later he's never heard of the slayer um he seems to have a sense of that she has some sort of supernatural ability and yeah. i guess having seen her fight that's where that comes from so, that she's doing things that she shouldn't be able to do necessarily are we just going to keep talking about buffy and riley then because yeah. i because i do want to talk about um I, I wanted to talk about that because I think that fits into another sort of theme with Buffy in this episode of her being a myth, a myth for the demons. Like, you know, right. she's the boogeyman for the demons as far right. as sort of calls her. Right. So it's, it, there is a bit of that, you're getting the tables turned of, you know, now it's not like Buffy, the human with superhuman strength, fighting the monsters and the demons and the vampires and the mythological monsters. I said monsters twice, but you know the you know now it's Buffy's the monster, and it has almost that um, 
I mean, it's it's very minor and like, you know, we don't get a lot, but we do get that conversation with Forrest where he sort of, you know, oh, you know, it's some kind of boogeyman for the sub terrestrial something they tell their little spawn to make them eat their vegetables and clean up their slime pits you know it's it has that feel of um richard matheson's i am legend you know which Mm. uh is way better in the story form than like the will smith movie (laughs) i haven't read it i've only seen the movie well it's good enlighten me the i am legend is the last line of the book and basically it's the the story is that this guy who uh there there's it, i think it's a disease like it's sort of a cross between mm-hmm. vampires and zombies it's like a disease that infects and spreads by biting but it like is more sort of vampirical uh mm-hmm. uh symptoms and stuff where they can't go in light and this and that but anyway right. by the end of the story he's like the last human or at least the last human known to be alive Right. But he's become the one that all of the vampires are scared of. Right. And so, like, that's the line is, I am, I've, I've turned into a legend now. Now it's yeah. not, you know. The, so I think you're getting this sense of Buffy here being the same yeah. thing. Um, and, you know, having that uh, quality to her where, you know, we've seen her sort of all along and, and, you know, seeing how much she wants to just be a normal person and this and that and doesn't want to have the powers and then kind of has come to terms with that. And now she is, you know, I mean, not that she doesn't still want to have the normal stuff, but like now she, you know, even here she says, you know, for me, it's destiny. It's not just a job or a choice or an adventure. It's, it's destiny as part of who I am. And so there's that sense of fate or, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever that, you know, that now we're getting this idea that, you know, it's not just little boys and girls who are afraid of monsters, but it's monster it, almost doctor like, you know, right. the monsters yeah, are afraid of me. Like, right, right. I I just sort of realized that as I was talking through it, like, and, yeah. and said that line. But like it, you know, we do get that sense of Buffy is the legend now to the monsters of and not just Buffy, but the Slayer, you know, like. Yeah. And we've had that that question before with Buffy and the doctor and I think with Faith too this this kind of notion of can you fight the monsters and be in their world without becoming part of their world you know I mean you could go a really sinister way with that of like you know oh you know you're gonna like you you can't you know deal with monsters without becoming one of them type thing but it could even just be something as simple as being mythologized as part of them like it doesn't necessarily even mean that buffy has to be like monstrous but just that living on that register she's going to be become part of the the fabric of the world whether she no matter what she does um she could do everything right and she'll get woven into those like legends and everything the other thing that occurred to me too was that in that, and I don't know that this totally makes sense, but what was kind of springing to mind was that Buff, or, uh, Riley's kind of pronouns there could almost be reversed. Because in a sense, the who are you could apply more to Buffy. That, like, the Slayer's more intrinsic to who she is, you know, mm. really fundamentally oh. as a person. Whereas Riley's more of a what? Like, she says to him, you know... 
it's a job, an adventure. Like, mm. this isn't who he is, you know, in his being. You know, it's a thing which he does, you know, that he... Sure. We don't know why he did this, you know, what sort of... Uh, but presumably this isn't destiny to him, that this is a thing which he has decided to do and is voluntarily, you know, choosing to be a part of. Um, so I think that's just kind of an interesting question, like the ways in which Buffy and Riley are similar, but then there are some ways in which they're totally different, um, which is kind of, I guess, the root of Buffy's hesitation about getting involved in him is that uh, which poor Buffy, that's always going to be the irony, right? Like she can't, she can't be with Angel for many reasons, which we've gone over, you know, but in some ways she could only be with Angel because he's the only one who could really relate to what she is right. and what she's going through. Like the problem with Riley is he's, you know, stable in all the ways that Angel's not, but he can't really relate to her on that level like he's still a normal person who could do something else who could walk away who could have normalcy and she isn't yeah you know um yeah. poor buffy yeah well <laughs> she's and and i and i so even though i think it's nice that riley confronts her and kind of you know kicks her out of her funk a little bit um, I still am sympathetic to why she's reluctant, you know, because I think she is in a little bit of a catch-22 there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that to an extent. Um, but also, like, I think Riley has a point when he says to yeah, her... Yeah, sure. You know, when he says to her that... Um, oh, where is it here? You know, basically that, that she's self-sabotaging. Like, that... Yeah, yeah. You know, yes, you have a point about maybe it won't work out or, like, you know, it's been bad in the past. But there is still value in trying again and going out there again. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, that's sort of something you have to say to anyone who has been in a failed, you know, a badly failed relationship. Right. Um, you know, that you do have to kind of suck it up and like right. that doesn't mean that it's not worth going out and trying to connect with someone and right you know whatever and yeah you might be a unique situation and yeah maybe there legitimately is only one person in the world with you but when you find that person don't push them away like right you know this is as close as you're going to get to all right maybe the second person in the world for you you know is right you know someone who understands what you're going through and yeah you can actually be completely honest with him no there is that element of like the self-fulfilling prophecy about buffy in this yeah. episode and and the attitude and that's where and and then you do raise all again these questions of like how does how do fate and free will work together you know because mm. in a sense buffy is fated but in some ways her own belief in her own fatedness might contribute to her not being able to break out of, you know, what she thinks she can't have or what she thinks she has to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it's good, good for Riley that he does, yeah, I mean, he's not passionate in the sense he's not, like, demonstrative, mm -hmm. but I think he's passionate in that he sticks to his guns and he yeah. doesn't just 
give up and he follows her and he pesters her and he kind of says, you know, he gives her some sort of tough love, you know, like even going like, you know, you're like, you're stupid. Well, I don't mean that. Well, no, I kind of do. Like he's willing to kind of like push her, you know, and you have yeah. to have some amount of, you know, passion or feeling, you know, to do that. I think he is legitimately fighting for her. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so yeah, so no, I think, I think there's a lot of good stuff, you know, from Riley. So, and, and I mean, we've been getting to know Riley a little bit, you know, each time sort of thing, but I think here we sort of do get more insight to his character that, and, and I think we've talked about too, like that there is a sort of genuineness to him. Like, you yeah. know, like even, you know, the things that he, even when we, he was just sort of starting to express his interest in Buffy, but didn't quite realize it himself. And then, yeah. and then we talked about, well, he's the same way, you know, when he's talking to like Forrest and, you know, the guys at the initiative, like he's saying the same things to them too. So it's not right. like he's saying one thing to one person and saying he's something else. He's not being too to, faced about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing which, the one thing which gave me pause, which, um, maybe I misunderstood a little bit, um, and I don't know how much to read into this. The only thing that kind of made me go, ooh, you know, about his character was, um, and maybe this was just a case of clarifying what everyone thought they should be expecting, but it struck me that Buffy um, goes out of her way to cover up for Riley, you know, like she goes to Giles, she kind of doesn't tell Willow what's going on, right? Like Willow kind of wants to know what's, you know, if something is wrong and she says no and, you know, doesn't really tell her. Um, and then she goes to meet with Giles and he's got like the big like uh, map, you know, of the city with like all the little flags in. So he's like tracking down the initiative and mm -hmm. he's almost getting there. Um, and, you know, Buffy doesn't tell him what she knows about Riley. And she even, like, distracts him with talking more about the earthquake. Like, like yeah, she is worried about the earthquake, but she keeps bringing it back up to kind of keep his mind off of the initiative, right? Mm -hmm. So she's, like, at least for a little while, she's decided to, maybe at least till she figures out what she's going to do, she's covering for him. Um, and whereas Riley doesn't do that, he goes right away, and talks to Forrest about Buffy being the Slayer, and they have a big conversation about, have right. you heard about the Slayer? Um, and it's not like a theoretical, academic conversation. It's like they're clearly talking about Buffy. Like, they know they're talking about Buffy. Um, so that was the only thing that I kind of was like, I don't know how much to read into that, that he seemed much less guarded with her secret than she was with his. Um and maybe she wouldn't care about that, but, but maybe she would, I don't know. Like how does, if, if the initiative thinks of monsters a certain way and they put Buffy in certain categories with the monsters, I don't know that it's a great thing that they know who she is and what she does and everything. Um, so that those, made those me, those are all good points. That made me a little worried. And then, so then I couldn't quite figure out did she just neglect to say, hey, you know, don't tell anybody? <laughs> and so it's a completely innocent uh, 
kind of mistake or I don't think he's intentionally like selling her out. I do think it's sincere, but well, and is there is there a way in which he is like it doesn't necessarily occur to him to be as discreet as it occurs I would, to her? I would say actually it's even more explicit than that. She says, "Look me up." Slayer the like she's in actively inviting him to research and so right maybe right she's, but she's not inviting him to tell all his commando well, colleagues and about it's hard it. to say because we don't get we don't get that level of like what does she mean exactly but like that but and like, that's why I don't I wasn't knows, sure how if you she know. knows that he's part of the initiative my assumption would be my assumption would be that she assumes. That she that he would use initiative thing because like she's already okay. assuming that the initiative knows who the slayer is and she's revealing this to, you know what I mean like right so yeah so I don't, no that I, makes sense that makes sense if she if she thinks that it, this is like a self explanatory thing right because she totally expects him to it. know she's like well I thought you would have figured it out by now I'm the slayer and he's like right the what now yeah yeah the I that word means nothing to me. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I, I, I don't want to say, like, I don't, that's just words Buffy was sort of saying in the moment, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think it was, like, well thought out, well rehearsed, like, sure. here's what I would say if somebody ever asked me if I'm the slayer. Like, right. It, it's, right. it's more like, I don't, I think she just sort of assumed they all knew what the slayer was, and her reveal right. was that, like, like she almost expected that Riley knew, and therefore probably the initiative, the initiative knows, knows to begin. As well. You know, anyway. Right. So, right. That that would be sort of my interpretation of it, but yeah, I you know I'm not saying that's necessarily right. I just think that that I think there's I think that's a way you could read it based on the evidence. Yeah, there may be others. Yeah, and we don't get. I mean, we certainly don't get any explicit like her te- giving him an instruction and him not following it yeah. it's nothing that that clear cut it just the contrast of her uh evasion and his kind of openness mm-hmm. kind of struck me and it made me wonder like hmm i wonder if that initi- if that uh information could be could or should be more closely guarded um yeah, and I don't and know whether that goes anywhere. We'll see, but it's not. It, it's certainly something that we would want to take under consideration, knowing that, uh, you know, especially knowing considering that, like, we don't really know much about the initiative. We and, don't know much, but we do know that like Walsh is part of it too. So like, yeah, you know, he doesn't tell her here, but he tells Forrest. Right. You know, and so it's so like that's, how And that's much, what I mean, like, is could this be, like, a moment of carelessness, which snowballs? And that could be it, too. I could see it going that way, yeah, you know? Yeah, because, like, you And know, I, I don't think it's, like, a... I, I don't think he's doing it as, like, a betrayal or, like, anything like that. Not intentionally, anyway, yeah. No. Yeah, like, um, I, you almost get the feeling that... So, like, Forrest is technically his, his under, you know, person or whatever, but, right. like... Like, we've seen that they're also, like, friends and whatever. Right, and, like, right. there's even that moment of, like, when Forrest is, like, really? You're pulling rank on me? Like, you know what right, I mean? A f- right. few episodes ago, whenever it was. Like, so, like, you do get the sense that they have a more informal relationship. 
Yeah. Although sometimes they sort of have to be formal, you know, based on command and stuff. So like, yeah. I I get the sense that it's more he's just talking to his friend about this weird thing that I just found out about my sort of kind of girlfriend. Like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Know. No. And that's how I took it too. It still worries me. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of it? Oh yeah. No. And that's right. And it's those little slip ups that you know. Yeah can lead to the fall of civilizations and that kind of right, thing right. as we see in Dr. Who coming up soon. But, sure. um, you know, I, so I think that's absolutely right to think about. I just, I think if we're talking about like character motivation, I, yeah, yeah. again, I would just, I would, I would attribute it to more like Buffy did say, go look me up. Right. Right. So his version of going and looking her up is saying, Hey, have you ever heard about this Slayer thing? Right. Like, right from Forrest who actually has heard of it and thinks it's just a joke. So, right. And, and he dismisses it. Right. Like he doesn't, he's like, whatever. She's not really the slayer. Like it's just a hoax, yeah. you know, sorry to burst your bubble there, buddy, but yeah. you know, this isn't, this isn't even real. Well, we wanted to mention to Forrest. The other thing we find out about him is his beliefs about demons and that, mm -hmm. you know, according to him, they're basically animals, you yeah. know, which I, I take highly to mean, evolved, rare yeah. animals. Yeah, I, you know, not really um, people, or maybe not even wholly rational or sentient, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call the difference between mm -hmm. people and animals. Um, so, uh. You know, and he kind of, when the demon attacks him, he sort of says, you know, see, there's all the proof you need. I mean, yeah. now they do have the demon sort of locked up and, you know, yep. I, I think people are capable of being, of attacking as well. You know, I don't know that that necessarily proves anything, but it could be, um, I guess, indicative of like a wider belief at the initiative that this is how they see, um, sure. like they maybe see themselves as like animal control you know for like you know the 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 diseased you yeah. know raving monsters out there and it's their job to sort of keep them away from the people and uh that's sort of they don't necessarily see themselves as evil fighters but more like you know policing you know these dangerous sure. beasts and, and researching sure yeah and sure and there's right yeah which might even be a little more nefarious than the policing yeah. aspect of it. Right. Um, right. The, well, it's definitely more nefarious. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, so yeah, I think with, um, as far as that goes, like, yeah, I mean, Forrest clearly sees them as just animals and they're kind of doing the good deeds here or whatever. And, and be, you know, because it is a research institution, you, you get definitely the focus on, science rather than sort of magic and fantasy and so right. you know the evolutionary explanation is going to yeah. be the one that's sort of favored uh you yes. know would make sense there um yeah yeah no it's good and so you pointed out that i think we can mention this and I, you know i don't know if we want to talk about spike more now but um yeah. you pointed out that he later yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'm an animal, you know, when he, once yeah. he finds out he's able to punch yeah. and, you know, hurt demons without himself being hurt. Um, so it's like there is sort of a correlation there mm. uh, between Spike and Forrest as well. Kind of a weird 
not, yeah. you know, unexpected. Just a little, a little echo, yeah. But yeah, there is, there is that moment. Um, well, we might as well talk about Spike, because um, sure. <laughs> that is, uh, I think, the other big character thing in this is that that discovery that would, he makes. Who would have thought, like, before you watch this episode, would you think that the two characters we'd be talking like most about are Spike and Riley? Spike and Riley. <laughs> Like, I mean, they're they're not the main characters at all. No. And like, we, I mean, while, you know, we always like Spike, like, just the whole point of him this season is that he's just not that big of a threat or, right. you know, whatever. So, anyway. Which is exactly what uh, Xander says to him. Yep. You know, that you're not you're I hate not to the break it bad. to you, oh, impotent one. <laughs> oh, impotent one. You're not even, you're not the big bad. You're not even kind of naughty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and I think that's, that's to me, this is the, I see, like, I'm sure a huge pivot point for Spike is this, because right, because what we've had is Spike, you know, sort of submissive and living with them sort of for his own protection, you know, while he can't fend for himself, basically. Um and they've all been tolerating him and he's been tolerating the situation. Now, once he figures out that he can fight other demons, mm-hmm. now you have a Spike who could be on their side <laughs> and who enjoys being on their side. I mean, not for like any noble reasons, but yeah, because yeah. he has a lot of pent up aggression. Right. And this is a way for him to take it out and get some of that anger out and feel like himself and you know be the kind of big bad vampire that he wants to be Mm -hmm. um and it's it's in keeping with spike's kind of like uh spike's never really been the big bad right like even when he starts it's not really spike that wants to end the world spike likes the world he likes living in it he wants to yeah the happy meals walking walking around yeah right right so Spike's in it for number one, and he's opportunistic. You know, he's not, he doesn't have big, grandiose yeah. plans. He's sort of looking to satisfy his own needs. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he particularly cares who he kills. Um, right. If he, if he gets to, you know, beat some people up, have a good, you know, a few square meals, you know, whatever it is, whatever the needs that he's satisfying, mm-hmm. he's happy to fight alongside the Scoobies if they fulfill yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, it's sort of an adrenaline junkie kind of thing, right? Yeah. You can get it skydiving or you can get it going whitewater rafting. Like, right. you know, like, he's like, okay, well, I can't do that anymore because of this chip or whatever. So, like, hey, look, I can punch demons and not get Here's hurt. this other so thing I can do, yeah. I'll go fight demons. and Right, and I, it serves the same purpose. It serves, yeah, it's, hey, that's fun too. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. you know, whatever. It's like, it's kind of like, oh, I had just been sort of abusing humans all along because I want to drink their blood, but hey, I can abuse demons. I'm getting right. the blood like that. I'm having that need met elsewhere. So like, <laughs> right, right. you know, I can do so yeah, no, I think and and I think it is fun that you know going back to yeah, Spike was never truly the big bad, but he definitely. I mean, he was dangerous. Like you oh, know, absolutely. it's not like yeah, you know, he was you know especially when he was with Drew. But I like how I mean, it's been a slow progression, but 
you do really see like he like this is a bottom for him and now it's like like that you know realization is sort of the uptick right so it you know after the so it you know you have him him and drew together they're bad they're evil you know whatever they run out of town Drew leaves him. He comes back to town. He's still pretty bad. Like, he's still, he wants to get her back, and he's like, if I can just do this one thing, I'll get her back. Yeah. Then he shows up again, and it's, like, a little less effective. A little less yeah. effective. Yeah. Oh, I got captured by some weirdo commando guys. Had this chip and put it in me. Now, not only am I, you know, not good at, you know, fighting, but I actually can't even bite anyone. Yeah. gets captured you know at first when he gets captured he's sort of still resistant and you know kind of teasing them along but then pretty soon it's like we don't even need to keep him chained up he's not a danger to no. anyone so yeah. like he's just walking around giles's house and you know whatever this and that thing and then yeah. like he's you know sleeping at xander's and this and now all of a sudden it's like oh wait a minute yeah. Okay. So there is this whole progression of like this downward slope, you know, from yeah. season two, pretty much yeah. consistent, you know, yeah. down till now. But I do think that this is definitely a sort of pivotal moment, which you picked out. And I don't think it's like a secret to say that. Like, yeah. No, he, I mean, the, the note that it ends on such a triumphant note for him yeah. of like, yeah, he's begging eager. them begging them to go out and fight yeah. for puppies and I, Christmas. Yeah, and I love He's like trying to think of like, what do good what people can we, fight for? What can for, we fight in the name of? For yeah. justice and puppies and Christmas, right? Like he asked yeah. him like, right? Is that, this is, this is what you all fight for, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, let's, let's fight that evil. Let's kill yeah. something. <laughs> no, yeah. I, and I, I like that. that like his, I, you have to love a character whose rock bottom is so, hilarious you know like yeah. his rock bottom includes like xander's like Wearing hawaiian xander's shirts and like khaki shorts and like looking kind of like a doofus and yeah. stuff like and he's sleeping in a chair like, yeah. like i mean that that he's reduced to the fact that he's sleeping in a basement but not even like in the pull-out bed he's sleeping in no. the reclining chair like right, right. you know and it's just gone so far downhill like and and you have to wonder like we don't ever get an explanation but it's like you know giles asked xander to keep him for a couple of days right but he's still there i (laughs) I know that kind of threw me when i saw him there i was like oh he's still there this time and i mean this does follow immediately from the last episode so i mean it's not like like it's not completely But it's another. It's at least no, but, another day that he's there. There is that sense that nobody really wants him. Yeah, that they're like, all kind of like okay, Giles it's your isn't turn rushing now to, to take him back. No, you no. know, um, no. And and Xander makes it clear that he'd happily. You know what? He wants to die. I want to help him. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. Xander, Xander would, has no qualm. Xander have, would have no problem. Um, um, you get Willow sort of. Bleeding heart Willow yeah, is yeah, always yeah. arguing for the defense of, well, you know. Yeah, and I think I think it goes back. I mean, we've talked a little bit before. Like, even with Buffy, you know, I mean, we've met other, uh, in both Buffy and Angel now, we've met demons who are just sort of regular guy type right. demons. So, like, I think that's how willow see right it's like yeah he has yeah. a bad you know sullied past but right you know like he can't hurt anyone now he's reformed he's you know whatever like 
forcibly reformed, you know, yeah, like, right. but he can't really hurt anyone now. So, you know, we can't stake him. You know, we need to sort of treat him like we would just a normal person. Yeah, um, and, and I, that's why you love Willow. Is oh, sure. She has that, that uh, you know, but even passion like, for people. Yeah, um, I mean, but like, you know, even, even like Bubby, and like, I mean, Xander talks, and I mean, he, you know, who knows? He might yeah, have I mean, actually would Xander really them, do but, it? But would yeah. he really, when, right. you know, it comes down to brass tacks, would he do it? And we yeah. kind of see that actually the suggestion but... is he probably wouldn't because he walks away here. He's like, you're not even worth, like, you're so worthless, you're not even worth the effort to stake at this point. And at the end, he pulls Spike out of the... Of the he actively you know, saves him. He goes him. out of yeah. his way to actively save him. You know, I think I could imagine Xander doing it under certain circumstances. Like, if it really came down to he had to, or if he had the go-ahead from sure. Buffy or something. But I don't think Spike needs to worry that Xander's going to, like, out him in his sleep or something. Like, mm-hmm. I think it would take a pretty extreme situation for Xander to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, like Willow says, too, like, one of the reasons they don't stake him is because they know him. It's like not even a matter of what he deserves or not. It's that it's not that easy to stake somebody that you see yeah, a lot all the time. Not it's the a lot harder. Yeah. He's not like some faceless, like red shirt demon anymore. You know, he's, yep. you know, like him or not, whether he's on their side or not, they know him now, yep. you know, yep. so that becomes a more complicated thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I like—I mean, I like Spike in this episode, and there's not a lot of Spike in this episode, but yeah, it's like all those moments are sort of important ones. Yeah. Um, and you do get the reminder, like at the beginning, where you know Xander tosses him the monkey wrench, just like you toss him this big heavy weapon that he oh, could yeah. use to hit you, but he's so impotent that yeah. you don't even—you turn your back on him, and he raises it, and even like the act of raising it, he doesn't actually—he like he kind of even, starts to like, move forward, yeah. and he gets a headache. So you do so. Which is obviously, you know, contrast that with the end of the episode where he punches the demon and he's expecting it and he's like, oh, wait, it's not there. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's sort of that reminder you're getting. But it, yeah, it's like, yeah, at that point, it's like, yes, I just toss him this stuff and I know he can't do anything with it. Like, there's yeah. not, it's not even a matter of being careful around him anymore. It's like, right, right. he's just completely off the radar as any sort of danger or... Yeah. Uh, threat. Yeah. Which may yeah. be important to remember that they're treating him that way. Hmm. Um, hmm. Xander, uh, once again, has a new job. Like, mm-hmm. we've talked a, a couple of times about the different yeah. jobs. He's apparently P- pizza, making pizza grilled man, cheese. Xander. Right. Stuff. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. I don't know. Oh, it might be I didn't catch delivery. what it was. It, I think he, I just, or some sort of fast Yeah, he talks about, like, melted cheese. Oh, yeah, I guess it could be pizza. I was thinking, like, grilled cheese maker or something. But right, some sort of fast Probably pizza food. delivery sounds, makes more sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, Xander's, well, and so we get, um, kind of connecting Spike to the others, we get his sort of accusation of, you know, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt, he kind of does want to be staked, Maybe, you know, um, and so he could be just be provoking them. But as we've seen with Spike, often when he says cruel things, there's often truth in what he says. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has sort of an insight that. Yeah. That Speaking the, the truth that nobody really wants to yeah. hear. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so, you know, Xander hasn't even gotten as far as his, or past his basement, and, uh, you know, Willow, well, you can take the geek out of high school, you know. Um, And, you know, they haven't changed. They're still losers. They're always going to be losers. And and Buffy keeps them around out of comfort and pity. And, you know... uh, you know, she's too soft to let go and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and what, what to, to their credit, they don't seem to really uh, buy into it too much. Right. By the yeah, end, which well, I feel like... Willow's like, I see what you're doing. Like, by, I feel like 10th grade, they would have. You know, like, 10th grade Willow and Xander were much less sure of themselves, whereas now, they might, that might sting a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. I think they still have, I think they've grown a bit in that they can kind of not like completely just yeah. swallow what he's saying. But, but I think it's like, and, and it's the same thing with like the moment with Percy and Willow, you know, Willow yeah. gets depressed, even though she knows it's not true. And I would go back to, so like, again, realizing that this is following right from the previous episode, Yeah, you get that moment with Willow and Tara where where Tara, right. you know, Willow's kind of doing the demure thing, you know, oh, I'm not that special. And Willow's like, no, or uh, Tara's like, no, you you are. Right. And and we talked a little bit about that. Like, yeah, Willow has really grown and become special and, and you know, may even have more power than she realizes at this point. But, like, she does get upset when, like, Percy just calls her a nerd. A nerd? I'm, you know, I've been a nerd since whenever. Hello, dating rocks. Oh wait, no, I'm not. Oh, wait, like, yeah. you know, uh, but and what my favorite part of that was um, that she kind of puts it on the same level as like all the like stuff that's going. She's like, you know, they found this body and there was so much blood and there was this symbol and Percy called me a nerd yeah. and like that right. kind of like all of those things are on equal levels of like offensiveness. Well, in and that moment, and Buffy does know? too, and she's you know she's yeah. like. You know, and then, yeah. wait, does he even go to this school? Like, yeah. Yeah, what's <laughs> he talking about? He doesn't even it. know anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, there is, so it's, but it's facing that role. And, and of course, I mean, and so, of course, there's the bit of the metaphor of the week, you know, feel to it when they go back to high school and you get Xander and Willow talking at the end. And it's like, oh, you know, seems like it would have been bigger. You know, like, it seems right. smaller now that. Right. We've been away and come back. And I mean, yeah, right. it's all charred and whatever, but like there is that sense of like everything, yeah, everything seems so portentous and, you know, big and whatever when yeah. you're there, but you go back and you're like, actually, this isn't that big of a deal. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, no, and that's kind of what I meant by like, it's nice that they said it in that high school setting because I think you do realize what's changed now. Like Mm -hmm. a comment from Percy like that in high school would have sent Willow into like a tailspin, you know, whereas here it hurts, but it's not the end of the world in the same way that it might have been, you know? Yeah. She has had more confidence. She's, you know, she knows she had a good relationship with Oz at least for most of it, you know, and she knows that people like Tara look up to her and that Buffy values her and all these things. Like, I think she's learned that. So, 
And even yeah, just, so she knows that she has skills that she didn't have before. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So, uh, no, I think that line is really conspicuous about this place is smaller. It's kind of like Gaknar, the fear demon. It's like, <laughs> this is what we were afraid of, you know? Yeah. This is what we thought was so, like, yeah. hellish and, you know, this place of suffering and everything. And it's like, no, nah. it was at the time, but now we've grown out of it you know mm -hmm. it's not so much that it's smaller it's that they got bigger you know mm -hmm. and i think their concerns are bigger now yep yep um all good stuff uh a couple minor things with giles uh one is so you know he he sort of has been ruminating on who these commandos are and of course and you right. mentioned sort of buffy's evasions there like okay, now you're lying to Giles and not to, right. or at least withholding information, you know, lie, right. of, lie of omission. Um, yeah, he seems to be him. getting pretty close. I mean, he's narrowed them down. He knows where they are, yeah, basically. Yeah, right, right. He said it's either next to or directly beneath UC Sunnydale. Well, we know it's right below their right. frat house. And we don't, right. and it's a big installation, so we don't know exactly how far it spreads, but it's, you know... A, a little ways at least so right, you know, certainly right. could be under a significant portion of the campus right um the other thing i would point out is uh we do not see olivia mm, right right um, right you know absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence per se but you know sure. we also don't see anya so you know i mean that's true that's true. That's I will true. Just but point out that we we don't see her. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely. I don't think it's just she's like in the next room. I think I took that to mean she's not there anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um. Those are all I had for Giles. I don't. Did you have any any? We don't, I mean, there's not a lot. He has the MacGuffin that the demons are looking for. He does have the MacGuffin that he bought. Yeah, and the state And thought sale. it was a knockoff, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um, yep, no, I don't really have a whole lot else for him. Yep. Um, well, there we go. I don't have anything else, so I guess time okay. to... Yeah. Time to well, switch we, unless there was anything that I forgot. I will say this. Mm. The next episode of Buffy we'll have plenty to talk about with Giles. Ooh. I won't I won't tell you what or you know, what form that takes, obviously. Um, I like Giles. But but anyway, just to uh leave you with that pantalating. Cool. Thing. Um of course that's not next week, because next week's Angel, but right. it's a couple <laughs> weeks from now. Sure. Alright, cool. Um all right. Well, on to Doctor Who. So, yeah. I wanted to start out yes. talking about my expectations and my reaction to those expectations. Yeah, you mentioned this, but I have no idea what you're going to say, so I'm so, kind of excited. My reaction at the end of watching it for the first time was... Yes. All right. Here's, the best way I can explain it is <laughs> there is an episode of Firefly, War uh -huh. Stories. Uh -huh. I like that uh, episode. I like that episode, too. I quite like that episode, too. Um, in, in sort of the beginning, in sort of the setup, uh, Wash gets angry at sort of the relationship that Mal and Zoe have. Um, mm. And so he 
sort of futzes with the shuttle that Mal and Zoe are supposed to take and, you know, go meet up with the nefarious people that they're meeting up with or whatever. Right. Um, in order so that he can have some alone time with Mal and sort of right. get some war stories that, you yeah. know, him, that Zoe and Mal are always sort of having. Right. As Wash and Zoe are sort of arguing over which one of them is going to go, Mal sort of breaks in. He goes, okay, I'm lost, I'm angry, and I'm armed. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt at the end of this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't armed. I'll uh-huh. say that. But, but like, you're the lost, lost and angry? The lost and angry part sort of, okay. sort of um, got me. So here's, okay. here's where I was. Okay. I, I realize we're in a new, I mean, we're well into, right, second season now of a new era in Doctor Who. Sure. Into a Moffat era, who we've yes. talked about maybe does a little more planning of the seasons than, uh, yeah. you know. I was expecting to get an explanation of the Doctor's death or appearance of death ah. in this uh by the end of this episode and Uh, we don't get one no and i was really upset by that no (laughs) um i was i was i and this i will fully 100 percent admit this was my fault because it was my perhaps illogical expectation Mm -hmm. uh that i was expecting it to be you know it being a two-parter i was expecting to by the end of it that have it would be a little more wrapped up and, and have things a little more resolved than, you know, as though it were still sort of in the Russell Davies era. Uh, uh, yes. And of course, that's not the case because there no. are store pl- there are actually several outstanding questions at the end <laughs> yeah, of the episode. Maybe even a few more um, questions than we started with. So, yeah. So that is my sort of my, again, my expectations and my reaction. I kind of gave it in reverse order. I gave my reaction and then what those, well, why I was reacting that way based on my expectations. But, um, you know, I think so a little more, like a little more seriously though, like I, I really did think that we would get some sort of explanation. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to give the impression that I didn't like the episode because I did. And I like the, you know, the two part story and we can get into some of those things, but yeah. Um, you know, I did, I, I don't know, like, even even the last season, I do feel like, yes, there was more of, like, a running thread, and we, you know, we did get more of, like, a seasonal arc, even, than mm-hmm. we did in some of the earlier seasons with Davies, but um, I never felt like, at the end of the episode, there were, like, sort of these big outstanding questions. Mm-hmm. Um Small yeah. outstanding questions, definitely yes, and and I mean like with the cracks and stuff, we didn't know always quite what that was, but it's like, sure. like that, I don't know, that was definitely set up from the beginning to yeah. be a running theme. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, the mystery of the doctors yeah. being killed, uh, you know, is is one thing, and then of course you get stuff like the little girl and the silence, you know, who we've talked about, but like, we know they're not completely gone. Like, right. Even though, you know, it says, you know, at the end, there's sort of this implication that we're going to kick them (laughs) off of earth. 
Right. Or at least hunt as many of them down and kill them as immediately as you can. Right. We still don't know what they were doing. We we don't know Um, what they were doing. We don't know how many of them are. We know that they are on other planets because we've heard, you know, species running away from them and that kind of thing. So, like, uh, you know... Like those are things that need to be resolved. Um, the, I did. I, I already mentioned the little girl. Like, there's that. Yeah. There's yeah. A, the Amy pregnancy thing. Right. There's um, like River. You know, hinting at some promise that she gave. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what's going on there. You know, again, maybe can guests have a little hint here and there. Yeah. Um, you know that kind. Of, so, like, yeah, there are like. The doctor death was the big one that I was sort of right. expecting to be resolved, but you're right. We do get a lot of questions that, yeah. I mean, okay, so I suspect some of these are going to be answered fairly quickly, but maybe some of them will be dragged out for the rest of the season. Like, I don't, right. you know, it's hard to say, like, what's right, going right. to happen with those, but um, I, I, yeah. guess, I guess I wasn't expecting that sort of level <laughs> of... Yeah. Thing. And and you, but you warned me. You warned me that it's different. So like, no, on the other is. hand, like I kind of feel like it's just my own damn fault that I didn't. Maybe that like maybe, and not that I should have had different expectations, but that maybe I should have just said, maybe I should have been a little more, you know, had a little more an equanimity going into it of whatever happens right. happens. You sure. know, like sure, uh, yeah, kind of no, uh, a lot of things. Where do I start? Yeah, and. Like, maybe they don't all even, like, maybe we just talk through stuff you no, know, in the episode. No, no, because I want to I wanna respond at least a little bit before we get into the specifics. But, like, definitely, uh, yeah, Moffat, season five is really a Moffat story done on the terms of the Russell Davies era. And this is Mostly. Moffat... <laughs> Mostly, yeah. mostly. Still a Moffat story, you right. know, still with his touches and quirks. Mm-hmm. But but the structure of it is plays by the rules as mm-hmm. we've come to expect them of the Davies era. This is Moffat who's taken that Davies playbook and thrown it out the window. Um, and it is kind of jarring at first. I actually, the bit that jars me isn't so much the unresolved questions in the and I don't remember when I first watched it whether that bothered me or not. So I can't say on the first viewing how yeah. I felt about that. Yeah. Um, the bit that I know through me and still throws me a bit is the the three-month gap in the beginning of this episode. That yeah. that feels a bit... I know it's Doctor Who, so we shouldn't ever really call anything contrived. Because, <laughs> like, everything's contrived. <laughs> but, like... If I'm contrasting to something like the year gap in Last of the Time Lords, mm. to me, that felt right for the st- like that was shocking, but it it felt organic in the sense that you felt the passage of time. You felt like a year really has passed and things really are different. You know, like you see the control that the master has. You see how Martha's changed. You kind of get this sense of what she, you can imagine what she's gone through in the last year and everything. Whereas for me, three months, it could have been three days. It makes no difference really. I mean, you kind of, there's this weird kind of like 
okay, how did they come up with this plot? They like all separated for three months and ended up on different places of the of the country and they're researching the silence, but how are they doing that? And then Canton's hunting them down and they all have this like plan to like get shot with, you know, presumably with like tranquilizers and then he puts them, it, it's bold. And I like that Moffat's bold. I don't know that that quite pulls it off in the yeah. beginning. As much yeah. as I like it, I like like the idea of it, but Moffat, that's the kind of the, the thing with Moffat is he will always throw the playbook out the window. Occasionally that means that things don't always make sense and even more so than usual, you know? Um, like for Davies, I think things don't make sense in the sense that he kind of decides, I don't really care if the science makes sense or I don't care if like, but, but there's more of a consistency in terms of like, how the story goes. Whereas Moffat's much more willing to just do a crazy idea, you know, yeah. and start an episode in a completely nutty way. And sometimes it works really well and sometimes it kind of throws you. Anyway, that's the bit that always kind of makes me go, uh, I don't know. If... Yeah. But the opening is kind of weird. And I, I don't like, even the second time through it, I'm like, why? Right. Right. Like, like, and that's, that maybe just that's the like difference can, is, maybe you, that's the difference is with Davies, even when he asks me to, to, you know, invest secondary belief or suspend disbelief, whichever you want to call sure, it. Sure, sure. Uh, I understand why. You know, sometimes with Moffat, I don't always understand why. Um, other yeah, than, it just, it, other it's than a, it's a cool visual or it's a neat, yeah. like having the doctor in his kind of, Manson beard and like, yeah, cha like it's a little. It's like okay, that's an interesting image, but I don't know. You know, it's the it's fine line with Moffat. It, it's but... the fine line with Moffat. <laughs> it's the price that you pay to get the really crazy. Yeah, and I don't well, mean that to say that I think Davies pushes the envelope too. But I think like, if we like that Moffat is kind of like ambitious in his ideas then that you kind of occasionally you he takes it too far yeah um yeah no i just like I, i'm fine with like complexity and you know sort of pulling the rug out here and there which happens in that sort of opening stuff like you're not sure what did i mean you know that event eventually canton becomes someone the doctor trusts but like maybe in this instance he isn't and then oh right. no he is and it was all this ploy to get the TARDIS and the Doctor and the Companions and Canton all in a room that right. no and like, sound or light what, can escape from. And, like, and, and, what, and for what? So they were all researching the silence. Why couldn't they have done that together? Why did they have to, like... Like, it, it's just... Yeah, like, there's no reason why leaves, that had to... Why there had to be, like, a manhunt for them or... Right, right. Or anything like that. Like the, It just leaves too many, like for the characters and I think that's the idea like we can forgive any amount of you know physics implausibility but you want the characters to do things that well make sense mostly and it just, you know it like it it just doesn't make sense because like they I mean they were clearly in on it because they wake up and they're like oh you know right la 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 let's move forward with our plan right but like 
okay, so they did all this to get into a secret place where they could talk freely without anyone knowing about it. But at but some they point, they have... had to make a plan. But they were all together, yeah. Where yeah. they were all together. So, like, yeah, yeah how, would, how would that have happened? Yeah. And nobody right. knew And that. if you were so... all together, then why did you have to separate in the first place? Right. So, yeah. That bit does... And so, and I guess whether it's that that bothers you or the, or the big unanswered questions and everything, I think that is the the slight shadow to the Moffat genius is that, you know, and I know there are people who have trouble with Moffat's uh, show running abilities for that reason, mm. that there's a, there's a line of thought, which I don't totally agree with. Cause I think more, he does generally more good than, you know, than not, but you know, <laughs> that, that there's this idea that, On uh, that, that Moffat needs, you know, a little bit of editing and needs maybe a, a producer or a script writer who will kind of occasionally pull him back away from the edge. Yeah. Um, and I, again, not a hundred percent one way or the other, but maybe like, you know, 60, 40, I would kind of be in the camp that says Davies strengths are more in the show running and the Moffat strengths are more in the script writing. Mm. If I had to pick one, of, and I love a lot of Davies scripts, and I love the Moffat season, so it's not one or the other. But, you know, there's an attention to, like, detail in the script that I think Moffat excels at. And there's an, and there's an attention to overall narrative sense <laughs> that I think <laughs> Davies excels at a little bit more sure. than Moffat. But, you know. Uh, and the other thing I was going to say is, the, like, Definitely, I think season six is the Moffat one that goes the most, um, goes the furthest with, uh, like playing with like arcs and mythology. Like that, mm. it's the the most. We still are going to have standalone episodes, but sure. the overall kind of sense of like an ongoing one single story and puzzle box kind of mystery, I think is strongest in this season. And it's, it's his kind of experiment with that. Yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, you can expect a lot of these things to keep ongoing for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I guess too, that's kind of, that's kind of also the decision to start the episode with, or start the season with like, a big climactic episode yeah. is that you don't want to drop that entirely and then just have a bunch of standalones. Like, okay, if we're beginning the season with what should be the end of the season, mm -hmm. then you have to spend the rest of the season working your way back to that, you know, like yeah, justifying yeah. that opening and yeah. like, how do we, I guess maybe then the, the question of the season becomes how do we get back there and what does that mean? Um, and right. all the questions back you to know. the lake in the middle of the desert and the doctor dying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and other things. You right. Know, other. Right. Other... It's not the only thing that yeah, needs to I mean, be explained. There's... But yeah. But there's... like along with that are these questions of the silence and the girl and all the little mysteries that are part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll kind of continue to see them along the way. So. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's talk about the silence and the little girl and all the other things along the way. Okay. Because we can even go in that order. Because the silence, I want 
to talk about because, I mean, we get some descriptions and statements from them. They're yeah. obviously a very cocky alien race. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so we get that they are everywhere. Yeah. Like all throughout the world. Um, and that they have this, which, I mean, we sort of had demonstrated that they can plant suggestions in people's mind, uh, in minds. Yeah. Um, and that they've been there for a long time. Yeah. The world is ours. We have ruled it since the wheel and the fire. Um, we have no need of weapons. And you wonder, so since the wheel and the fire, like, I mean, mm. these are the, you know, quintessential yeah. early technologies that make man, man kind of thing, right. you know, that right. mankind, mankind, I should say, or yeah. humanity, humanity, um, that all, both of which also use the word man in them. So whatever, <laughs> whatever way to say that without in our gender yeah. imbalanced world. Yeah, we... <laughs> exactly. Um, that make people people. There we go. There we go. Um, the world is ours. We've ruled it since the wheel and the fire. Like, but now that is... just made me think of the doctor. What do you mean by people? Aliens. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. <laughs> so, but yeah, the idea here is so, and the question is, the idea is that they've been sort of tweaking human evolution in a particular way that they want it to go and the question is were they tweaking it longer for that you know is this is this almost an intelligent design sort of you know plan that's going on here like who knows yeah yeah Yeah. you know what i mean like it like it's very and and actually a a lot of this had a very x-filesy feel to me this episode Uh, especially oh my god when Amy's touring the creepy orphanage, oh, yeah, empty yeah. orphanage, yeah. and and you get this sort of the classic, you know, uh, you know, looking up with the flashlight, but that's mm-hmm. like like there's like that scene happens in almost every episode of X Files, <laughs> like so yeah. you have to have like well, and if it's you have like the, that the dark and stormy night, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And, and like the super powered the... flashlight that has a beam eight hundred times stronger than an actual any normal flashlight right. beam would have. Well, especially with all the references of like the FBI and and mm-hmm. and uh, the you know the the moon landing and all the conspiracy yep. theory yep. stuff, yep. like it definitely has a kind of the truth is out there. It's a big secret government cover up kind of uh, but also feel aliens. To it. But but also aliens. Yeah. Right. No, not just the moon landing thing, but also like the government might be covering up other things which are going on in Area 51 and everything, you know, like mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, and and the setting it in the 60s. And right, and, and they just happen to have this, you know, rare material that nobody else knows about that they can build right. this big cell out of, right, you know, right. like, yeah. oh, yes, we have some of that in our basement, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, yeah. it's it definitely has that feel. But the, the silence... Um, yeah, like they've been around a while and I like, I like how they, you know, the doctor sort of reframes it, right? Cause it's, of course it also makes you question like, what about the Silurians then? But anyway, um, cause they were also on 
Earth for a long time, too, you know? So, like, did they ever run into each other? And maybe the Silurians just don't remember it. (laughs) Well, that's exactly it, is Moffat is a clever, clever man, because if he was saying uh, in the... uh, He has his get-out-of-jail-free card for everything. He was saying in in one of the bits on the DVD that um, he's like, now, you know, given that I've... that I'm suggesting that these aliens have occupied earth you know for thousands of years and have influenced everything how is it that the doctors never run into them before and he goes he did he just forgot (laughs) and so you can't ever accuse anyone of of them not making sense because they did they just forgot you know the silurians the doctor whoever else you know Mm -hmm. presumably they've been there all along and, it gets and all of the idea. various other alien races that have come to yeah. invade may have run into them at some point or another. Yeah, and um, and uh, it gets into this idea again, which reminds me of the Weeping Angels of like the audience participation that you can mm-hmm. imagine that they could be here and we just forgot, you know, and that every time you've ever had like a weird bit of like deja vu or not quite remembering something that you know having a memory that doesn't seem quite right or you know mm-hmm. maybe you saw a silent and then and then you kind of got a little bit fuzzy as you turned away oh yeah um, so and we've all seen the moon landing too so we've presumably seen this footage that gets spliced in and all that or heard it anyway because like or heard it. there also seems to be a sense of like yeah like anything to do with them it's not just Right, it's that, them, it's that command like of, them. yeah, yeah. Um, you called it the silent, so I was curious, yeah, like, what right. do you call one of these singular... Yeah, I, th- I believe a singular individual is called a silent, and okay. as, a, as a group, they're the, si- the yeah, silence. There, it's collectively the silence. It's collectively the silence, and Moff, another thing Moffat said in the DVD was, uh, and this is more teaser than anything, is they're more movement than species. Hmm. So, which I think is interesting, like, you know, a silent is kind of an individual, but the silence as a movement, you know, that they have, you know, uh, some sort of collective purpose, you know, which I think you kind of get to, like, you talk about, like, did they meet the Silurians? Did they meet other things? Like, it kind of seems like other than their little suggestions that they make to sort of influence the way humanity goes they don't really do all that much like it's not really like they're not really going around like you know pillaging and destroying really it's more like they just sort of tweak things as as needed to fit whatever you know it is that they're trying to do so i think that kind of hints at it too that they're not like looking to like destroy necessarily they're more looking to you know manipulate yeah i don't know whether that occurred if that makes sense based on what you saw but sure (laughs) um I, i was actually thinking uh when you talked about like the silence and movement i was also thinking of like movement as a musical term and Mm. like uh you know four minutes and 33 seconds you know by john cage like Uh just that you know that it's just silence it's you know but there is that idea of 
you know, like even sort of in music, like it's not the notes, it's also the spaces in between the notes that matter and that kind of thing. But anyway, I don't know. Like, I'm not suggesting that that was what Moffat was saying. It just made me think of that. Sure. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we get this, you know, idea of the silence has always been there. We've ruled your lives since your lives began. Uh, you should kill us all on sight, but you will never remember we were even here. Um, I like that, um, you know, you brought up the, the moon landing thing. I really like that device because mm. there's the whole idea of um, one that Neil Armstrong got the saying wrong. Um, mm. Like, uh, and that there is a pause sort of between the two, you know, one small step for man one giant leap for mankind, you know, mm. um, there is a pause there and some have conjectured it's because he gets that first half wrong that he has this pause, but then it's like, no, actually in that pause, in the silence of his, <laughs> you know, yeah. saying, right. you get this silent saying, you should kill us all, uh, right, on site, right, uh, right. you know, and, and it, it becomes this because nobody remembers it. Of course it, it becomes this like huge, uh, you know, like seminal moment in human history where yeah. uh, I I like the frame up of it too because the doctor's talking about this is the moment that everyone will remember as our first forays into space. Yes, people were in space before that. People orbited, yeah. you know, and and were in spaceships in literally outer space before the moon landing. But the moon landing is really the first step into space you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. um that this is the thing that everyone will look back on so this is the thing like if especially especially else, considering how important space travel is to doctor who you know well like, no and that's what i mean like if there's anything else in the history of humanity like after earth <laughs> like yeah you know beyond right. this earth, is the beginning this is point the of moment that. because yeah. this is the moment where we leave earth for the first time re like really leave it yeah um so, of course, like, people all throughout history. So, which, the implication there is that it's not, that it's an ongoing, like, this is not just a, okay, I see the silence, and I'm going to kill it now, and we're going to purge it from Earth, and by 1973, they're all going to be dead. This is, like, an ongoing forever and ever battle. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, ev like, anywhere in the entire universe that a person who has seen that video or right. heard that audio, right. if they run into a silence the, or silent, they will kill it. Right. Like I, that's, that's yeah. the implication to me that yeah. this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That this is like, yeah, you've been, and the doctor even says like, you just gave, you know, the order for your own execution, basically like from now till the end of time, you yeah. know, that, as long as this footage survives, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to keep giving this order over and over yeah. again. Um, yeah. And considering and its importance to space, you imagine that this footage will be preserved, you know, right. for a very long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, no, I, I really, I really like that device of putting it in, in the pause of that statement. Yeah. Um, and, and. Yeah. And that's like a good point that, about. Like, as much as. As much as the 
opening doesn't work, the ending works fantastically. Like, Absolutely, I just yeah. think yeah. That's, a, that's a really great um, yeah. climactic the gr- the, moment. Yeah, the there. confrontation, yeah. Um, and, and, and well done with the montages of, like, you know, the normal guys in the bar. Like, right, yeah. We see you. Like, we're going to take care of you now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the, the um, you know, the guy in the White House who, yeah, you know, like, FBI like, agent. you know, who already has been chastised for let, allowing the doctor to go through. So, you know, he's not going to let this guy <laughs> right. go through. Like, right, he's, right. he spotted him and he's taken him out. Like, right. Uh, he's already been embarrassed once. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I thought that was really great. Um, it actually reminds me of that montage there sort of reminds me of a moment in Buffy that mm-hmm. we won't be able to talk about for a very long time. But oh. I, I hope I remember I try to, to come bring back this to up it. when we get there. Um, right. Anyway. Right. Huh. So uh, the other so the other thing that I'm the way that the silence sort of talks about themselves itself I'm, mm. see I'm not sure if it's if the silence is a plural or a, right. a, a mass now you know what right. I mean like right. It's right. Kind of like it because there is a distinction there between the two and even though both imply more than one thing um, yeah. it, it is it is kind of weird uh, but anyway so like yeah. The way they talk about themselves, um, you know, doctor asks, who and what are you? There you go. Who and what are you? They talk <laughs> about the, you know, oh, the pronouns a, between a Buffy missed. and Riley. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not leaving it to chance. Who and what are you? Yeah. Uh, silence, doctor. So we, mm. so it's not even the silence. It's silence. And then we are the silence. And mm. silence will fall. So, mm. like, are all of these equivalent things? Right. Like, that's what I'm, I, the, like, they sort of talk about, like, in a very short period of time, this alien, this one silent, yeah, talks about who and what they are yeah, in three different, similar, but slightly connotatively different ways. Right. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, it was like, so, silence, doctor, like, is he, is he answering the question, or is he telling the doctor to be quiet? Right. 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 Uh, is, is that a command? Is, you know. Is, and if it if he is answering the question, like silence versus the silence, just you know the absence of that definite article, like silence is sort of a palpable thing in a way. Like you know mm-hmm. you know when there are moments when just like especially when it's right after it wasn't silent. You yeah. know, it, like, like typically when something like just even here tonight, like, you know, my heat's been going on and off and I always notice when mm-hmm. it goes off. I right, don't necessarily right. notice when it starts, but I notice when it goes off. You you hear the silence, like quite literally yeah. in that moment. Um, the silence like has a more nefarious mm-hmm. tone to it. Like it's. It's. Like, even if, if, like, just silence itself is sort of palpable, like, the silence, like, I don't know, just the addition of the article in that moment gives it, gives it more of a, of an actual entity. 
Yeah. It's not just like a thing that's surrounding you. It's actually right. something with like the doctor, you know, in right. a way. Yeah. Like there's there is a similarity there, I think, that yeah, you know, is it gives it sort of a presence and, and sort of anthropomorphizes it in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Um and then silence will fall has a, a deathly connotation to it. Right. You know what I mean? Like definitely has that idea of things will become quiet, like things mm-hmm. that are lively will no longer be lively in that sort yeah. of way. So, um, I mean, again, I think they're related, but they are different sort of connotations of, of yeah. things that sort of are even sort of more ominous in each mention of it. And right. I know we don't necessarily always go through like, I mean, we don't go through scripts line by line like that, but I think that's like an important yeah description because this is what he's telling the doctor who and what they are and we should pay attention to that yeah and i think it it it, especially when you add in that that confusion about what who and what they are like their their the relationship between what they're doing and then their nature you know are they individuals are they like are they a single are they like a hive mentality like are they a single you know Thing, which is in many mm. pieces or sure. um you know or you know and and again with that with that idea of them being more a movement like how much is the you know their their role as the silence related to the fact that silence will fall like you know mm. hinting at this idea of what do they want to do <laughs> like yeah. you know um, like, is that a threat? Is that a prophecy? Uh, or you know, is, it is that just a, like is it a fact? A natural, right, <laughs> yeah. something that's going to um, happen. You know, regardless. you're not quite like, yeah, like, uh, you know, how much maybe agency do they have? Or how much are they kind of an inevitable force of nature or something? You know, mm. I think those are all great questions. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, so, so on sort of, and silence will fall. Mm. The other thing that I want to make sure we talked about is, um, when Amy's sort of kidnapped and you're getting, um, Mm. the, the silent talking to her there, you know, it says, we do you honor, you will bring the silent. So like, Mm there is a nefarious sort of invocational aspect yeah. to that. Like she's being used somehow to, or would have been used somehow to bring right. that silence that is falling in that right. way. So right. Right. Uh, definitely, again, a very sort of nefarious idea yeah. because then yeah. he's also like, don't worry, your part is almost over, which implies like she's not going to survive the process. Right, right. Uh, at least that seems to be what it implies to me. Yeah. Um, the other thing we do get, and again, we don't get any whys or wherefores, but um, they are, uh, if we didn't get this already, I think it's clear by the end of this episode that they are responsible for what's going on with this little girl. Um, you know, that they're, you know, I mean, you, we could have kind of put that together based on things in the last episode but I think once we see this orphanage you know that they've sort of uh 
you know, it took me a couple of viewings to kind of understand it, but but it seems on repeat viewing to me that they have cleared out this abandoned orphanage, kept this guy there as the caretaker, and, and I yeah. love his little brain addled. Like, he doesn't realize what year it is, that they're going to close mm. in 67 and it's 69, that he's he's... I imagine that he's had so much exposure to the silence that he has no idea what's going yeah, on like, anymore. Yeah, yeah, he's his, been his, experimented and poked yeah, and prodded, and, and his brain is just mush at this point. Like you know that, or like that, like a chalkboard must, that you've like written on too many and erased right. too many times, like you know, yeah. or, or a whiteboard or whatever. Yeah, um, where like yeah. things are all kind of smudging now, and and even if you have a new marker, like it's never going to quite be clear. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually how more I read it more so than experimenting is more that kind of just overexposed mm-hmm. that he's just the, the, if you live in a place which is infested with silence, your brain goes kind of funny. Um, and, it, and it makes you wonder too, like, is he the one doing all that writing that he then right. is like, you know, washing off and that that's kind of how thing. I read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess it could be the girl, um, but I take it, I, I, it freaks me out to think that it's him, and that's why I kind of like it. Um, he's kind of leaving himself messages when he sees them, and then forgets them as soon as he turns away. Um, but, uh, but, he, but then he thinks, that, no, no, it's just the children, it must be the children. Um, but we see there's no children there anymore, so And presumably, maybe that's the suggestion they're giving him. Like right. it was the children who left, you know. Right, right. The yeah. stuff on the wall. So that's that's just what he thinks is that it's the children. Yeah. Um. But in any case, the place is pretty much empty of children now, except for this one room, mm-hmm. um, where Amy finds, which is more cared for than like the other rooms are all like in shambles, and clearly nobody's been sleeping in those beds. Like there's no more kids. But mm-hmm. in this room. You know, you have some stuff. things. You have yeah. stuff. It seems like somebody lives there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finds some stuff in that room. Um, some pictures. Yeah. And and the girl. And in her astronaut suit. And one picture in particular. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I shot you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Uh yeah, so the girl. Well, the girl. Yes. Uh, we get that she sort of somehow found a way out of the suit, forced herself out of the suit. Is yeah. The, and then, oh, forced her way out and incredibly strong. I like her. Okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's good. That's cool. Um, wait until you find out that she's regenerating. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> what's going on there exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, incredibly strong and running away. I like her. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, we don't get that much, but yeah, like, she... We don't know how she got in the suit. The implication seems to be that, like, the suit ate her in some way. Like, right, you know, yeah, just the, the spaceman ate her, yeah. Um, that's what River sort of implies with her yeah. comments, or, or deduces, or conjectures, anyway. Yeah. Um, we get the moment where she's like hiding just around the corner, mm-hmm. um, like not 
quite clear why she doesn't sort of reveal herself to the people. Right. Right. Yes, and she was just asking for help. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's... Yeah, it's unclear what what exactly she's doing and all. And, and yeah, I mean, many mysteries there. Um, obviously, the very ending of mm. her in the alley. Yeah. I'm, it's okay, I'm dying. Like, that whole... The, like, the phrasing there yeah. is just sort of backwards. And... Yeah, um, I, I love that, that... You it's know, quite all right. It's okay. I can fix that. <laughs> but, yeah, I can fix that. It's easy, really. See? And yeah. and my question there is, okay, so has she done that before? Like has mm. she already regenerated? Mm. More than more than once even, possibly. So like like cause she knows she can do it. Yeah. So Yeah, okay. maybe. Um And and here's Here's an, another question. Now that she is regenerating, she, we won't necessarily recognize her the next time we see her. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I wondered that. I also wondered, like, will she still be a little girl? Like, right. when, uh, assuming she's a time lady, I guess, right? Um, would you know, when time Lords and time ladies regenerate, do they regenerate like at the same, roughly the same size and age right. as they were before. Right. Um, I haven't seen a little kid regenerate before, so right. I don't yeah. necessarily know the answer. Yeah. We don't have any data really. Um, yeah. So I, I would sort of assume that would be the case. Like again, roughly like, you know, might be a little taller, whatever, you know, kids age sort of differently. So, you know, might right. have a few little different attributes here and there, but yeah, like. Right, right. The question being, does she have to stay a child? Right. Um, yeah. Um, so going down that road, I'll go ahead and say, I was questioning whether I was going to sort of say this. This is yeah. one possible thing Okay. that I'm, I'm not making it a prediction. I'm not, I'm saying this is one way. I could feasibly see it going. Okay. The doctor's daughter. Mm. We know that she left, um, and we know she has at least some of the regenerative power right. of the doctor. But she was a grown person. Right. So, my suspicion would be that's probably not which is why I don't want to sort of make an unofficial prediction. Yeah. But like, on the other hand, like, I think it would be really cool. Cause like, I think it would be nice to sort of see what's happened to her. That's the only, you know, time lady and, we've seen in the show. So yeah. Yeah. Other than, I mean, I mean other than like it stuck in Gallifrey right, in right. the past and the time lock and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, the only time lady we know is out and about in the universe <laughs> at this point. So that's one potential thing. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it could be Amy's baby with time head, you know, <laughs> right. or whatever. Right. Like, right. like, or, or that, you know, more, a little more seriously than that, that, yeah, that yeah. we get the ambiguity of whether or not, Amy is actually present at the end when the doctor sort of surreptitiously scans her. Right. Um, talk about invading privacy. Uh, right. You know, and and it comes up 
yes no yes no yes no yes no like right, there's right. clearly some there's some choice like we're getting almost another amy's choice here like there's some right. maybe choice isn't the right word but some seminal event well seminal literally <laughs> perhaps uh event that that would have to occur you know it's like it's schrodinger's baby official. basically is what right. we're seeing here right, this, right. like uh, not dead or alive, but I like it, existing yeah. or not existing. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, that yeah. could have been a really gruesome way to right. go. This with is that. like, like, oh man, yeah. Um, this is like, yeah, yeah. You could see this as like, um, that reminds me of like when he's negotiating the treaty with the with the Silurians of like, this is this is a moment of opportunity. You know, this is where <laughs> you know the the future isn't necessarily fixed. Right. Maybe right. maybe. Uh, it could go go one way or the other. Yeah. Um, um, so, like, that's sort of another possibility I see, that it could be Amy's baby, that even though... I mean, I don't... I don't think we're ever meant to think that Amy and the Doctor ever slept together. Like, I mean, there's... No. Like, no. Like, that, like, that doesn't seem like it's... Like, that it's a natural child of the doctor like uh, and, not... and it's it's not not with amy anyway <laughs> yeah no right. no that's and, what i and, mean like yeah like like well okay right. well his, now you brought up clone, another possibility not his clone that i daughter. hadn't really considered that it was the doctor and maybe river or someone else's child you know right yeah that's... no it, I, I will confirm it is not the love child of amy and the doctor yeah. no and i don't like i i <laughs> And like, it doesn't—it doesn't really suggest it. I don't yeah. think like everything from last season suggests right. that the doctor and Amy do not nor ever did have a romantic relationship. Right. Right. So like I don't. No, think... and I think I think it gives you, yeah, I think it gives you kind of enough evidence without suggesting that it gives you kind of evidence on both sides. Like, well, you know, in Amy's favor, we have this notion that she might be pregnant. So that kind of, and she finds even a picture of herself in the, yep. in the house. So that with, kind of lends with a, some credence. Like a child. With a child. Yeah. In the girl's room. In the girl's so, room. Right. So, so like there are, you know, but this could just be Moffat there. being a dick too. Like, right. Right. <laughs> you know, pointing all these little clues in one direction. That right. But then we, on the other hand, we have these other clues of her super, you know, abilities and regenerative powers, you know, which seem to lean right. more towards the the doctor side of things. Yeah. So, But yeah. also could be, as Amy sort of presents and perhaps fears, that it, okay, it doesn't have time head, but maybe there could be <laughs> something about, you know, traveling in the TARDIS. Because we know that traveling in the TARDIS has affected and people effect, physically. Right, right. You get, like, voice in other stuff way. and all this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, various various and sundry things. So, um, you know, so it could be maybe there's an effect there, too. Like some, right. and, and, not, and maybe it's not an effect that's already happened, but it's an effect that will happen, you know, yeah. like, later on. But the child itself is a Time Lord, so maybe the child has traveled back from someplace or forward from someplace. Like, we don't... We just don't know. Yeah. Um, so, several possibilities. Yeah, it, I I legitimately did not even consider that it was, like, the Doctor and someone else. I just knew that it wasn't the Doctor and Amy. Mm. But that certainly could be a possibility. Mm. Uh, mm. So, anyway... <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Lots of conjecture, little actual prediction or, <laughs> uh, you know, other stuff there, but um, definitely want to talk about all of that. I, you know, whew. I don't know, like, I mean, we've kind of talked a lot about the Doctor and Amy and Rory throughout. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure we talk about the Doctor and River. Okay. So let's maybe start with that, and then we can, if there's other stuff we want to talk about with with them, mm-hmm. we can. Um, and, of course, so, okay. <sighs> A few things. Yeah. What, we sort of, I think we sort of talked about last time, you know, the Doctor and River sort of having, being more on equal grounds with the flotation and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, here, clearly, that continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like strongly. Continues, uh-huh. um, but yeah, of course, so much so that Amy like calls them out. Yeah, on it. like, hey, I think rescuing me is a little more important right now. Like, yes, yeah. yeah, no, oh, no, she'll kill three of you. Oh, seven for you, eight, honey. You know, like, yeah, uh, um, and, and and I know it's it's slightly controversial given the 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 doctor's usual stance on killing and guns and stuff, but I have to admit I do like his kind of. You know, like he, this is my this he, is my friend River. She she has a gun, and unlike me, she doesn't really mind shooting people. I shouldn't like that. Kind of do a bit. Like, yeah, he kind of like admits, he's a little turned on he's, by he's, Amy. Amy, he's a guns, little bit. He acknowledges that he shouldn't be turned on, but he kind of can't help it. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, but also, so so right. So there's all that. So there's the flirting, and there's that sort of statement, and she's you know sort of like, oh, thank you, um, and. Then there's the, you know, the actual killing of, like, the silent aliens. Yeah. Um, and River goes, you know, sort of Rambo-esque on yeah. them all. Actually, River goes sort of River on them all. Like, River yeah. Tam from yeah, like River Tam, yeah. Firefly. Because, yeah. like, there's that, like, she's spinning around and, and, you know, doing this and that and shooting over her shoulder and, yeah. um, or, yeah, you know, behind we, herself um, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we definitely, I think, see a new side of that in this one because, you know, I think definitely from when we first meet her, you get that she's very um, intelligent, but mm-hmm. she doesn't necessarily seem, like, out of the ordinary in terms of, like, her physical. I mean, now, yeah. granted, they're fighting the Bosch Generata, which you can't really fight, so we don't really have an opportunity to see, mm. you know, and even her the fighting. angels. And even like, the angels. You can't really fight them either. Yeah. Um, I think we get a hint of it with the Dalek in the Big Bang. You know, you don't actually see her shoot yeah. and kill the Dalek. But you get that suggestion of, you know... that She wouldn't I, hesitate. I, yeah, yeah that, that there's like a, a ruthless streak to River. Like, you know, the Doctor's associates show mercy, but not River. Yeah. Um, well, and but, she does shoot the Fez. She does shoot the Fez. No, that's true. So we do know that she has good aim. She shoots his Stetson off, too. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, but this is the first time, other than, like, an isolated incident of, like, sharpshooting, you get to see, like, she, physically as well as intellectually, she's more than average. You know, that she's mm. actually a bit of a warrior and almost flirting with superhuman herself. You know, like... Not quite, you know, but she could just be super, super skilled. 
but it's right on yeah. that edge of like yeah, she certain, her certain, ability is like off the chart. Certainly the top end of human, if not superhuman. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, like there's right. Um yeah, no, definitely. Um but I I was also wanting to bring up the line of my old fellow didn't see that, did he? He gets ever mm. so cross. And so I mean, old fellow there seems to be referring to the doctor mm. because there he's the only other guy besides Rory that would have seen that, right? I mean right. I Canton's not with them at that point, is he? No. So yeah. No, and so, I don't think And like why would really she call him, him anyway, yeah. Right. Why yeah. why would she call him that? But like yeah, so like just simple deduction is yeah. you know. So like are we talking so old fellow, is this like the old man, like husband? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or or boyfriend at least, like, you know right. the one who, with to whom you are attached in a rather significant way. Like and again, like all signs keep pointing towards that and <laughs> right, then right. sort of getting turned off like we're never quite sure um but of course becomes the setup for when the doctor takes her back to her cell right um a couple things there she mentions that there's a promise uh she says i escape often enough thank you i have a promise to live up to you'll understand soon enough so you know this is the not quite spoiler spoiler type Mm. thing you know what I mean like you know she's always careful to avoid saying too much but like you know we got before she said you know something about the Pandorica oh I remember it well you know like so like she knows what's coming up next kind of in a way and and doesn't ever quite give it away but you know sort of hints at it and stuff um then there's the other reminder, right? So the doctor is about to leave. She's like, you know, what's the matter? Come back here. And she kisses him. <laughs> yeah. And he's very flustered by that. Yeah, uh, he oh, has kind of a Wesley-like awkwardness right. about him. Right, okay, interesting. Uh, like, not maybe the usual response to a kiss, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. And, and she gets the, you know, you act like we've never done this before. Well, we haven't. Oh, look, I must be off. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, first time for everything. And then she says, or, and the last time. Mm-hmm. And that that face that she makes, just of sadness, yeah. that, like, she's figured out at this point. Like, we've already seen that she's figured out that they're going in reverse order. Yeah. And if this, like, and that's not to say, like, that there's not still plenty of adventure or meetings with the doctor it's just they're not on the same level she knows yeah. everything after this right is a completely different experience yep uh and that is like what a what a sad sort of thing to take away from someone their first kiss <laughs> with right. someone that they love yeah and someone who the more they i mean because the more you're with someone like if it's a good relationship the more you will love them so this is like if they've been together a long time and have really built up that affection like Mm. like at this point in time she's never sort of loved him more than in this moment you know what i mean like so it's so to find out that suddenly this is the last time you're ever going to kiss that person right or you know share that level of affection with them right uh 
that's what a terrible thing to take away you know it's like, awful yeah and yeah. that like you know and the level of trust is going to keep going down as well you know the level of of the of, doctor if, for her the doctor's trust in right her, so the you next know, time the, she sees him she knows right it's going to be even worse than yeah. this time yeah yeah poor river until you get to that moment like which she's already expressed like I know that someday I'm going to meet him and he'll, you know, he's not going to recognize me and all yeah. that stuff. Like, she knows that that's coming and that it's accelerating. And we're yeah. we're viewing it the opposite way. But I'm I'm still really impressed with how um, Alex Kingston and Moffat, you know, mm-hmm. from the writing, from the acting and writing perspectives, you know, respectively, are able to pull all of that off and really. Yeah you know, make you, even though we're not experiencing it the same way that she is, right. uh, able to sort of feel sympathetic towards her for... Yeah, no, that hadn't really occurred to me, but you're right. Like, it, with the acting wasn't up to scratch, you could really lose sight of where she is at any given point and just identify with the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I think it's written and acted in the way that you never really are allowed to forget that and right. and they keep you they keep reminding you of where she is too mm-hmm. not just him yep yep yep, yep. so anyway definitely um, wanted to make sure we talked about that yes the other the other thing which i can't uh neglect is uh river's uh echo of the cabinet screwdriver joke um, oh yeah, yeah. Which reminds me of the Doctor dances. So if, yep. uh, which we've, I think we've made a few comparisons between River and Jack before too, in other ways. Um, and that's uh, another one that reminds me of like, well, I guess it's the Doctor who says, you know, what you've never been bored, never had a lot of cabinets to put up, and uh, and then later Jack says, you know, well, I've got a banana and a pinch, you could put up some shelves. So yeah, like River's callback with unknowing callback to that. Like, what are you doing? You have a screwdriver. Go build a cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just, that callback makes me smile, so. Sure. Wanted to mention River being yet another, like, echo of Jack in some ways. Um, uh-huh. I think yeah. they have a lot in common. Sure, sure. You know, sort of time-traveling anomalies in their yeah. own sense, too. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, and, not... more, and more open to, uh, um, more the fighters, you know, and and mm-hmm. and acknowledge that they 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 prefer guns to screwdrivers, um, and kind of like to tease the doctor about his, you know, yeah, the usefulness of his screwdriver. Um, well, we haven't talked much about Amy and Rory sort of together or specifically any sort of critical things between them. Um, We get more of Rory's sort of, uh, you know, uncomfortable and not quite sure that he's really the one, even though they're like married now and like, (laughs) you know, whatever. But I mean, that's sort of similar stuff. And of course, Amy's talking about him. And so, you know, again, that reassurance. um, Yeah. It's an obvious, you know, it's coming, but I enjoy the kind of like, fake out of you know uh with the stupid face and and you fell out of the sky and all that stuff that could go either way um Mm -hmm. 
you know, we know it's going to end up being him, but it, it makes enough sense that you understand that that plays into Rory's insecurity, that yeah. why he would think that that means the doctor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that is true. Like, just because you're married doesn't mean you're necessarily a completely new person. Like, you still yeah. are going to have insecurities and you're still going to have to work through, you know, things. Yeah. That, you know, it, it's, there's, it's not an automatic pill, you know, that you swallow yeah. and suddenly everything is different. Um, in some ways they are, but, you know, you still have to deal with all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and some people deal with it better than others. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so, anyway. Um, um, I guess with... I and mean, we talked about Amy a bit, but I just, I don't know, yeah. I want to make sure we don't, like skip over anything because we talked a long time about the silence and sort of the yeah setup you know production-y type stuff not production but you know whatever anyway amy amy um any final thoughts there uh i think we covered most of it i mean i don't know how crucial it is but like there is a sense of um you know, and and you could see how Rory could feel still insecure with the doctor around because there are some ways in which Amy does trust the doctor mm. more. You know, you get the fact that she didn't tell Rory about the pregnancy, you know, out of this idea that what if it wasn't, you know, what if she lost it? What if there's something wrong with it? Um, and, and, you know, even though he says, like, and he's right, you know, I'm sure... Rory would be supportive and he's a nurse so he understands you know if anybody would understand medical things and her worry it would be him but that a little bit of her insecurity coming through there of you know what if we had a baby and it didn't go right mm. um kind sure. of a scary notion um but that she did tell the doctor and that she did that because he's her best friend so, which, you know, we knew implicitly, but explicitly, um, you know, yeah, it's not too often that the companions say that out loud to his face, I don't think. I think, right. I mean, it's implied in the fact that, you know, they kind of live in the TARDIS and risk their lives for him on a daily basis, but, like, you get her, I think, one thing that's interesting to me is that um, Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville, and I guess the writing too, does a pretty good job of making Amy and Rory feel older in this season than they did before. That there's something, I mean, even down to like their hair and makeup and the way they dress that, uh, and the way they play it, in that sense of like having been married for a little bit and having a house and being a bit more settled, they seem like a more mature couple amy doesn't quite have that same um like wildness that she did in the first season you know i mean i don't think she's significantly older but they just seem a little bit more mature um so i and i feel like i i don't know that you would have gotten amy last season being that honest you know amy was always very guarded with her like, even though you could tell that she loved the doctor, you know, there's always that kind of bristliness to Amy and everything. But 
But I like that even with like something like that, like just being able to say, you know, why did you tell me this? Because you're my friend. You're my best friend. You know, that there's something a little bit more emotionally mature about her. Um, so I like that you can kind of see that change a little bit. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, and with Rory, I guess. Um, oh, you know what? No. Oh, no, this is in this episode. I couldn't remember if this was in the last one for a second, but we get that scene where he talks about being the centurion and whether mm -hmm. or not he can remember it. I like yeah. that little exchange about Rome fell. I know, I was there. So was I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and well, this notion that he has this other life in his head that he sat around for 2,000 years, that he... Uh, just like, you know, Amy can kind of remember when her parents weren't there, but now they are, mm -hmm. you know, and she can kind of hold that contradiction in her head. Rory has this, you know, memory of being the centurion and, and it, it kind of could drive him crazy if he thought about it. So he just doesn't think about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is weird. So the Rome fell comment, though, like it, it's interesting the way that sort of shakes out because you know he's the doctor at that point is talking about the silence, right? And their you know pervasive you know influence on the world, yeah. um, you know, being like Rome in its heyday, and and Rory's comment about Rome falling is kind of like, yeah, but like it got too big. So right. like, like that could like, yeah, that it, it's actually, you know, that's what happened with Rome. It's not that it, you know, got conquered. It's not that what it got too big to be, you know, to be able to take care of itself. You know, it yeah. was like a big overweight man who, you know, just <laughs> ate himself to death kind of thing. Like, I mean, you know, okay, that's a little funny, but like that's kind of what happened. Like it just got yeah. too big for its own britches, and so you have this idea that maybe that's where the silence are too. Yeah. And, and well, you and you said right when we started, like they are a bit, they are quite arrogant in the way that they speak, and you get that sense of uh, that their own, you know, assurance of how indestructible they are, you know. And they're maybe being all pervasive and maybe yeah. spread a little bit too far and too well, thin, you know. And we haven't really talked about Canton, and I don't know that there's a lot to say about him, but I think that's, that is one moment where he sort of shines, right? Because he asks him, he's like, well, what would you have done? It's like, it's like, yeah, if you're going to take down, you know, a race that's been around longer and has better technology or power than you and... Um, you know, is like maybe in some ways smarter than you. Yeah. Figure out what they would do. And how yeah. do you do that? Let's ask them. Yeah. You know, they're clearly so cocky that they don't think that anything they say, you know, could be put to use. Right. Uh, you know, in that way. Um, also, they're not accounting for the time travel aspect. So like the mm -hmm. technology they've gotten to is 19... 50s and 60s space technology it's right. not you know late 2000 or you know whatever 2010 uh 
video phone technology. Right, so they're not right. like that might be in the plan, but it, they haven't gotten to it yet. So they're not right, sort of right, accounting right. for that possibility yeah. that he's recording, you know, him saying this. And it, it, there is that, like, it is funny because we, we wanted to talk, we wanted to at least mention like the whole Nixon tapes thing. Uh-huh, like yeah. there is, there is a certain hubris <laughs> to, I'm going to tape everything, everything. that I say <laughs> yeah. and yet still be such an arrogant prick that like, you know, I don't care what I actually say. <laughs> yeah, like a uh, way to shoot your own foot there. Yeah. You know, I love, I love that it's the doctor that tells Nixon, you know, you really should tape everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. It's like, those are those um, Forrest Gump moments of like, yeah, you know, right. he's responsible for every, you know, because it's Forrest Gump who's like, seeing the guys with the flashlights across the hallway, they're keeping him awake, you know, and that's yeah. why Watergate, you know, yeah. um, I like that with the doctor when you find out how much of kind of like the silence, how much he's had an influence on history, maybe not intentionally, but, um, you know, accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Dicky, tricky Dicky, they're never going to forget you. Right, Say right. hi to David Frost for uh, me. <laughs> that's almost that's almost a sad moment because you almost it, it is. I, I mean, yeah, I don't. Whatever Nixon, Nixon doesn't know how far he has to fall. Right, right. Like it's like you know, oh, you can see him like you know, bright eyed, new president. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And he does kind of come across that way, like in this episode, like you know, oh, yeah. I'll just pop down to NASA and get yeah. the doctor out of trouble, and you yeah, know, like, yeah. I also am really fond of the idea that, not because I like Nixon, but just the idea that Nixon gets a ride in the TARDIS is kind of a crazy idea. <laughs> yeah, and that and that he is, at least before things go south, that he is sort of at least an amenable kind of guy. Like, right. you know, like, things went wrong, but this is before they went wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, whatever, Nixon. Nixon is Nixon, and this is a fictional version of him anyway. But um, no, I think there's some nice little moments there, and then uh, the moment between him and Canton at the end. With, uh, you know, oh, yeah. so this person that you want to marry is is black? Huh? Well, I might be a little more liberal. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I think the moon's far enough. That's too liberal. Yeah, this is a little too. Can't quite justify that one to the voting base. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway. All right. Well, I like, like to go back to what I was saying at the beginning, like I, I actually did really like this episode, especially, you know, at its end. Yeah. Uh, the things that I didn't like about it were more, you know, it probably says more about me than the episode of what I was expecting and that kind of stuff. And so now maybe yeah, I know to I be mean, a little less, uh, that's true, but I think it also, points to like I said like not maybe so much flaws as like problems that can arise with you know I mean I guess there are aspects of the Davies style of having like a narrative like a like like using the same structure you know there are things that really work about that that I like a lot and that I think mm -hmm. you know are make for some of the strongest stories because you have this sense of like a a pattern and a repetition you know that kind of gives you a foundation to stand on mm -hmm. but like the 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 kind of less cool consequence of that being that it's a little bit more predictable 
you know, like you kind of sure. know what to, what you're going to get. And, and I think the flip side is like, this is the really exciting, unpredictable, no idea how this is going to go kind of storytelling. The, the flip side being that it occasionally, you know, loses its grip a bit, you know, right. you know, there are those moments where you can kind of feel like they didn't quite pull that off. So I don't know that like you're wrong necessarily. Like, you know, I think even though you can like it better on retrospect because you know what to, you know, it going in. So that yeah. might strengthen the episode. I still think the things that probably bug you are probably things that like you're noticing that are really there. Like, you know, I think that's the consequence of doing the story this way. Sure. Um, sure. You know, I mean, that's always that's always the way, right? With these like really big, extensive, mythologized mm -hmm. shows. That's almost always the criticism is like, you know, narrative logic and does it, you know, does it quite make sense and, and are, are the expectations of the audience going to be met, you know, because as soon as you, you get like lost syndrome, as soon as you start setting up all these mysteries, yeah. everyone only cares about the payoff <laughs> and like, it's really hard to like, it is very hard to pay off a setup as awesome as this one, you yeah, know? Sure. Um, and that's the, that's the reality of doing that kind of, you know, doing the story that way rather than starting slow and building to something. If you start with this huge bang, then you kind of have to work the rest of the season to justify it. Um, right. So we'll see whether you think, he pulls it off or not, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went, yeah, like, like now, it, so now I'm sort of at the other extreme, right? Like where I was expecting the doctor's death to sort of be explained by the end of this episode. Yeah. Now I'm like, just sort of resigned. Like it's not going to come till the end of the season. <laughs> like, all right, all right, yeah. fine. We got to yeah. travel a ways to get there and we'll, yeah. we'll do it. And, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, maybe that's not, maybe it's, some episode in between somewhere where we get mm. more explanation. Um, the other, oh, the other thing, actually, I wanted to bring up when we talked about the little girl is, I mean, the implication is always that the little girl in the spacesuit, or at least always, last episode, the implication <laughs> was that the little girl in the spacesuit is the one who kills him. But now she's no longer in the spacesuit. So, right. like, that right. leaves open the possibility that it could be someone else. Right, right. And we specifically don't see who's in the spacesuit by the lake. Right. Um, right. So, yes. So there so it's so it's become a murder mystery sort of in a way. Right, like, absolutely. Yeah, and you get Amy shooting at her and saying later like, you know, I'm glad I missed you know, but you're going to kill the doctor. But you're right. We don't actually know that for sure, um, you know, because we don't see who's in the suit. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we will get to unraveling this murder mystery as we go, I guess. Yeah, I guess we will. <laughs> right. But first, but first, some adventures. <laughs> that ending yeah. always cracks me up. 
should we go look for the little girl? Now let's just have some adventures. I know, right? So like now. So like, spoiler. We know that you know, we're just gonna standalone not... episode coming up next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it's all good. Those are fun too. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about it then. All right. See you then. <laughs>